Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Today's movie, I'm going to start off, you know how like in the old Star Wars movies, they, it starts off with like script coming down? Yeah, man. So, so some of y'all have seen that movie, I would imagine. But it's like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, you know, it starts talking like that. So today I want to do that for what we're going to watch, what I intend for us to watch anyways. And the script that I'm going to read is maybe like the very first portion of Hebrews. So if we just sat down, we're watching this thing, we're opening our minds to see the scriptures. We believe the 2 Corinthians 3.18, if we see him as he truly is, if we see him in a way, if we've believed about him wrongly in any way, but then we realize that we've been wrong and we see him as he truly is, that sight transforms us from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says. So that's the goal. But here's the, here's the script before the movie. Hebrews 1.1, God, who at various times and in various ways has spoke in the past to the fathers by the prophets. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Some of your translations, in these days, he has spoken to us in his son, in the language that is his son. Jesus is the communication of God, whom he's appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the worlds. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself, Jesus by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. A place of equality with God. Also, Jesus, the word, the express image of God, this, this, this air, but also the brightness of his glory, the express image, the exactness of his person is the one who created all things. Yes. It's like, man, that, it's like we're already seeing the mystery of Christ start to take hold. If we stop and read this and don't just read through it fast to get our chapters in for the day to be you know, accepted by God. But if we're actually reading it for what it is, we're starting to see something that's like, wait a second. This is saying he, the son, he's the heir, and he's, but he's also the creator, and he's also God. Um, but, but God, but, but him, but the majesty on high, but at an equal place. It sounds a whole lot like John 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. But he also was God. Again, like, hey, my brain doesn't work that way. Like, how do I make that? He was with God, but he also was God. How can you be with? And It's the mystery of God. Pray, right? Colossians 4, verse 3 and 4, that we'd be able to have the open door to articulate this mystery that blows people's minds open. Right? And not only that, that we'd make it manifest as we ought to. That it would be felt. Yeah. So here, we're still watching the script, right? You know what I mean? Having been, become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. That's him as a human. For to which of the angels did he ever say, God say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. But he also said, when he brings the firstborn into the world, let all the angels of God worship him. 
as if he's God. It's like, you know, you kind of start feeling your brain tweaking a little bit. But I thought he was little G God. Little buddy God, God's little buddy. Like, no, no, sounds like he is God, but sounds like God's in charge too, but he's in charge, and, uh, you know. And of the angels, he says he makes his angels' spirits winds and his ministers flames of fire. Love that. He's created humanity to partner with the angelic in the unseen realm to release the light of God in the world. It's a partnership. Psalm 104.4, Hebrews 1. Can't get, out of, can't get away from it. It's not angel worship. It's not being weird and getting all that stuff. You've got to command the angels what to do. I don't believe in none of that stuff. But I'm saying there's very much a partnership, and you see it all through the Bible. Yes. But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You've loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than all of your companions. What? You're to the Son, he says. This is the writer of Hebrews, just like John, the writer of John, saying, to the Son, he, maybe it's the author of Psalms, David, maybe it's God himself, your throne, to the Son, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. That's what he's saying. He's like, hey, this express image, this son, this person, his, his throne is an eternal throne and he's actually God. But he's also with God. Huh? That's causing my mind to hurt a little bit. Yes, it is a great mystery, but it's beautiful and it's incredible. His throne is forever and ever. Jesus, this person that we look at stories as, as this, you know, this nice son of God walking around doing these nice things, it's like, hey, by the way, that's him. That's everything that God is embodied as a human being. Now, remember, we're just watching these words scroll down with the Star Wars music playing or whatever music you like. Maybe the Hoff music playing. Maybe Alan's guitar playing. I don't know what you want to say. But we're watching this stuff, and we're, and, and we're catching what is being thrown at us. This is the prerequisite to watching the movie. Hey, before you watch all this, understand that this person you're seeing, this, this guy riding around on a donkey on the, on the palm tree branches, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, that's him and nobody knows it. It's, it was a great mystery. But that was him. That's the I am. You know, that's what it's saying. You've loved righteousness, hated lawlessness. God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than all of your brethren, more than all your companions. What does that mean? Jesus is the happiest man ever to walk the face of the earth. Yeah. But he was acquainted with many sorrows. Yeah, he got to know a lot of them. But listen, he, according to the scriptures, he was anointing with the oil of gladness more than all of the people in the world. He was actually happy. That's something that would, that instantly is a contradiction to the way I'd always seen him. I never considered him happy. It's, all, it's been my practice for, for years. A lot of times what I like to do is no matter what I'm reading or looking at, I always like to be in one of the four Gospels because I think it's the most important. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you know, I'm always reading them, you know, usually... It depends on which one, but I'm usually, I like to read them from front to back. 
But as I get going through the, through the chapters, when I start getting towards the end of the books, I always start to feel nervous because of the cross scene that's coming. Whatever, you know, Good Friday's coming here in a few days, and it's just like, it's so painful for me to watch. It wears me out, stresses me out, because I watch it like a movie, you know what I mean? And so it's all fun and games when he's doing stuff, you know, blowing people's minds and healing people and, and messing with the Pharisees a little bit. But when I know it's coming down to that donkey, and I know that it's coming down to that cross, I start to get nervous, like, oh, gosh, I don't like to watch this, you know. But the reality is, is Jesus the happiest man ever to walk the face of the world? Above all of his brethren. There was something that set him apart from all of humanity. And that was one of the things. His happy meter was higher than everyone else's. He was joyful. You know what I mean? And it's like, wow. But it's also saying that he's the express image of God. In the beginning it was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. What do all these things mean? This is what God is like. And God is extremely happy and joyful. And it's like, well, yeah, well, maybe... Well, I can maybe believe that about Jesus, but you know, you're taking it a step further to believe that about the Father. He's the, he's the mean one, right? Of course not. No, there is no variance or shadow or turning in Father and Son. You know, there isn't. If you see one's joy happier than everybody in the world, guess what? Big Papa's happier than everybody on the earth too. Very happy. Exceedingly. Exceedingly so. Yeah. It's very true. And so we've just watched those words go up, you know, and we're thinking, dang, man, that's, this is, we're just watching it, da-da-da-da, you know what I mean? The words go up, and now the first scene of the movie. You know, I like those type of movies that show, show a random scene in the very beginning sometimes before the rest of the movie starts, and you don't know if this is at the end of the movie, the middle of the movie, the front of the movie, or whatever. So the scene that I would, that I would pick up right after I've read that because it's communicated to us that, yo, by the way, this guy is God. So get ready because you're about to inter be introduced to a character who's God embodied. The Son of God is actually God embodied. He was with God before time and space. Everything you see was created by him and for him and through him, John says, and Colossians says, and Hebrew says. It's like, so he's the creator. He's walking around. And, and it's just like, man, I'm, we're about to be introduced to this main character, and what's he going to be like? He's going to be like Aragorn, obviously. He's going to have a serious regal face about him. You know what I mean? He's going to be all business, like Jocko. He's going to be just, whoom, he's going to be intense. He's going to be all these things. It's like, well, he's supposed to be the happiest person ever. All right, what is he going to look like? And the first scene of this movie, what I would put on it, would be John, I mean, I'm sorry, would be Luke chapter 10. And I would open up the scene of this show or this movie, with Jesus going absolute party mode, rejoicing, just freaking out, laughing. It's like, have you ever seen somebody? I mean, there was some big basketball games last night. You know what I mean? There was some buzzer beaters, big buzzer beater in the final four last night. Team wins by one point. And the whole place just goes crazy. The whole place goes wild. The guy that made the shot goes wild. They're all jumping around. Anybody see that? Yeah, a couple of you. Deacon saw it. I know that. There's a few of you saw it. Um, you know, everyone's going crazy, but Jesus is acting like that in this scene. And it's like, well, that can't, that can't be, brother. Amen. He's serious. You know, it's like, no, no, no. He's acquainted with many sorrows. No, no, he's the happiest man in the world. He's, he's, he's freaking out. He's happy. He's, he's violently twirling in this. It says, he rejoiced in spirit, Luke 10, 21. 
But the scene that I'm showing you is Jesus rejoiced in spirit, violently twirling and shouting out for joy and laughing. He's got a crowd of people coming around him. It's not James and John and Peter. It's not the 12 disciples. It's other disciples. They've come back to him and they've told him what happened on their ministry trip that he had sent them out. And they're freaking out. In Luke 10, 17, the 70 have just returned to the Lord Jesus and they're telling him, man, even the demons suggest, you know, were subject to us in your name. We were casting out demons, man. We were doing all these mighty, powerful things. The joy of the Lord happened because these people went out and used the power that he actually gave to them Amen. and manifested heaven on the earth. And this sends him over the edge. He's, he's becoming a way that is, we don't think is very fitting for a leader to act. You know? You know, Ric Flair woos, you know, he's spinning around, he's pumping the fist, he's like, yeah, buddy, you know, Ronnie Coleman, whatever you, however you want to picture it, he's lit up, dude. He's excited. Even the demons, to which he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. He's with them in it. They're like, man, I cast this demon came out in your name. It was amazing. I've never been anybody. You know what I mean? I've done. You know, they're fired up. They did the stuff that he told that he had done in front of them, and now they were all doing it. And it was exhilarating. They were actually coming alive. They stepped into their true identity of sons without knowing. They just stepped into the measure of it. You know, had no idea. And he's like, ha ha ha. He's like, well, yeah. He's like, I saw, I saw a demonic entity be dethroned out of the heavenly places. You know, he's not talking about, you know, back in the day when the third fell, because that's not even the way the Bible really talks about it. But what he's actually saying, he's like, you guys going out in the regions that you went out to knocked some spiritual things out of place that have been set in place for a long time, dude. This is way, this is even bigger than you guys think. This is amazing. He's flipping out. And he says, behold. You think that's cool? Like, look at this. I give you the authority to trample on serpents and on scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. I'm going to create you, you guys to be the superheroes that you've always dreamed of being. They idolized the judges that the Spirit would come upon, Samson and all these guys, and do these mighty things like I'm going to make you guys I am my desire is for you to be so powerful that the enemy's power cannot do anything to you he was talking about the covenant he was making I'm going to redeem your kind my sons and daughters to be the leaders of this free world and to usher heaven into the earth nothing will hurt you nevertheless don't don't only rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you. Don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven like you are known by your Father. This is intention. This is deliberate. You are in the history books of the kingdom of heaven. You are sons and daughters of the king. You're walking this reality out. You know what I'm saying? I picked you a long time ago for this. It says, in that hour he rejoiced in the Spirit. He was getting turned way up about it. To which he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You've hidden these things from the wise and from the prudent, and you've revealed them to the babies. Even so, Father, 
for it seemed good in your sight. This was your idea. All, and then he says, all things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows who the Father is, who the Son is, except for the Father. And who the Father is, except for the Son. And the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Like this has been a secret mission the whole time. I think that's such a strange thing to say. The whole, the whole plot, the whole plan, the whole thing has been secret. Nobody's truly known who God is. They've all had complete mis misconceptions of who Father is. Nobody accurately knows Him. And nobody knows the Father's Son. They don't know who He truly is. It says He turns to His disciples and He says this privately. Blessed are the eyes which see these things that you see. For I tell you that Many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it and hear what you hear and have not heard it before. And it's just like, man, this is the mystery that he was talking about. This is the reality that we're looking at. Even this time of year, we're talking about Palm Sunday and all this, you know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the king, you know, sitting on donkey. All these things is like no one fully knew, right? First Corinthians 2 says, doesn't it? says, if the rulers of this world would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. 1 Corinthians 2.8. If the rulers of this world would have known, would have recognized him, would have known who he truly was, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Why? Because he had, he had a bigger plan up his sleeve than anybody understood or knew. And it was the redemption of all things. They had their sights on, on a, a Davidic king, a messianic king. You know what I mean? Come in and take in Israel over and make him the powerhouse. He had his sights way, way past that. It was way bigger to him than anybody even knew about. And here he was laughing about it. He rejoices because he sent 70 people out after he sent out the 12. And they actually manifested the kingdom of heaven and the earth in such a way. If you can look at it like this, Jesus had begun, began to become so popular right? So popular that it, when you watch his life, even from those short, this three year period, he started doing so much miraculous things that he became so famous that he could not go into town very easily. He couldn't go into bigger cities very easily, bigger regions very easily. He always stayed on the move. He would duck in and he would duck out. It was like a fight. It was like a boxer. He would step in and he would boom, 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 pop. He would release a flurry of hits and then he would pop out and be unseen for a while he was in and out of the wilderness he was the true high priest he was in the tabernacle and out of it he was in the secret place he was in the public place he was constantly doing this ducking in ducking out ducking in ducking out because he was always watching that governor of how famous he would become and he was actually trying to affect as many people as he possibly could with his person with his nature with his reality releasing the kingdom and and in that he was training his people to do the same thing he was training these 12 guys to learn who they truly were because he knew he was going to create this covenant that he would be inside of them his spirit would be inside of them and then it would be untouchable but he also knew that he had to die the finish line was always the cross what the disciples thought was failure was the absolute victory, and he was happy about it. He wanted to get to it, but he couldn't be too famous because if the rulers of this world would have known, 1 Corinthians 2, they would have never went through with killing him. 
You can't kill the, the I am. They would, have, they would have sniffed that out and they would have never followed through with it. But he had to incite their rage. And he had to pop in and pop out without becoming too famous. And so he's doing that throughout the entire story. And he gets to the point where he can't even go places. And if you look back at Luke 9, um, or Matthew 10, or any of these verses, when he calls the 12 to himself in Luke 9, he gives them this authority, and he literally sends them out two by two to go into all the cities and regions before him. That's the first time he kind of multiplied his authority, but he becomes so, so popular. You know? He becomes so popular he couldn't really go anywhere, but then he anoints them, or he, or he appoints them to go out before him, and when he sends them out, Instantly in Luke 9, you see like they departed and went, and it says Herod the Tetrarch heard all that was done by him and started to get freaked out, thinking John the Baptist was raised from the dead who he killed. or like Jesus, you know, He starts thinking all these things because it created such a stir in the region. But he multiplied himself to where now it's just like, well, I heard that happen down in, you know, down in Jacksonville, and this happened in Lindale, this happened in Board, a couple of them happened in Tyler, but he wasn't in all those places. Like, which one of them... Where was he? How, how do we, it's just like he's, he started to be all over the place to the point where even the regional leaders, the, king, the air quotes, king of Israel, Herod, is like thinking like, oh, snap, this dude's taken over. But he wasn't. I mean, he was, but he was doing it by sending everybody out. You know what I mean? It's like he's trained them for these years. He's kept his group small for these number of years, very deliberately and intentionally. He could have had the biggest mega church in the whole in the whole region. He could have set up shop. He could have taken over the temple from day one. You know, Satan pulled him up on the top of the pinnacle of the temple, right? Tells him to jump off. And he said, actually, you think you brought me up here, but I brought you up here. He could have had angels pop out. He could have grabbed Satan by the throat and stood on the pinnacle of the temple and hold him. This is what I think about this guy. And threw him down in front of him. But he could have created his whole thing. But the game was different because he wanted to die. He knew, that, he knew that he was the Lamb of God, and the only one that really knew that was John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb that comes. He saw it, and they're like, man, John, you're weird. Eating bugs with dreadlocks. Like, you know what I mean? Nobody fully caught what, what was really being thrown by these guys. They were so far ahead of the game. You know what I mean? Happy Palm Sunday. They were so far ahead of the game. But this transformed you more than any. I can, we can read a Brene Brown book, you know what I'm saying, and put some verses in there, and we can just teach psychology that self-help. You know, that's fine, you know. I don't even know I said that. But, you know, but I think the best way to do it is actually teach the Bible, because if you see Jesus as he truly is, it'll transform you. Yes. I don't have to have a good counseling gift or even talk all that well. If the Bible's taught the way it's actually written, it blows people's minds up and frees them up. See, God's actually joyful and happy, and He's not who we thought He was, and that He came from a sneak attack plan like this, and He's always been trying to bring us up to, to the level that we're called to be, the sons and daughters of the kingdom, and send people out. And that's what shakes the region. Not, make it, not sticking a pole in the ground and being the biggest guy around. He would heal people and ask them politely, not to tell, sternly, not to tell anybody what happened. Knowing that they still were, but it shows he wasn't trying to get big. He was trying to make it to, the, to that cross. That was his finish line. What does it say in Hebrews 12 too? It says, for the, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Or really translating, thinking little of the shame. In other words, like he knew how shameful and terrible and torturous of a death it was. But he didn't think that that was all that big a deal compared to his goal. He thought like, yeah, but my goal's bigger. 
So for the joy that was before him, hey, there's the joyous king once again, the happiest man on the earth. It, he, he was playing a trick on the enemy and he was coming in by stealth, y'all. And he knew that when he, he was, as long as I get them to kill me and the disciples had no clue. The disciples were like, yeah, you're going to be the king. You want us to call fire down? You know, in Luke 9, you want us to call fire down in the Samaritan cities? Like, like, hey, when are you going to messianic man up and let's really kick the Romans out? We can start with Samaritans. I mean, we can start with, we're going to get them Romans eventually, right? Urgh. You know what I mean? Finally, we're not, we're not slaves and subservient to these clowns anymore. We can be the true people that we are. But that's not it. You know what I mean? He's like, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. You know what I'm saying? They're literally arguing and asking who's going to be the greatest amongst us. They were fighting each other who was going to be better than the other one in the kingdom. James and John's mom, this is the most despicable thing, tried to keep, come talk to Jesus and ask if they could sit on his right hand and his left hand in the kingdom. But they weren't talking, like we read that and we think about, yeah, in heaven on your throne, you know, white Jesus with your white eyes or whatever. You know, we have these pictures in our mind, these Bible stuff. But they weren't thinking like that. They were thinking about messianic kingdom. Let us rule and reign with you. Like, finally, Aragorn's back in the White Castle, and I can be like Legolas and sit next to him, or Jedi. You know, what do we think of these ways, dude? You know what I mean? Whatever. And the thing about it was, they're thinking here and now. He's thinking the whole thing at the end. We're not, I'm, not, I'm not setting up my shop in Jerusalem next month, boys. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're cursing that fig tree like that whole thing. Not one rock is going to be left upon another. I'm not here to build this whole thing up, dude. That's not, what, that's not the game. The game is the finish line. And you guys don't understand it now, but you will. You know what I mean? Can I sit on your right hand on your left? Like, hey, can you drink the cup that I'm about to drink? <laughs> like, it's not, it's not what you think it is. That's what he tells them, you know? And so here he is. Hebrews 12 says, The joy that was set before him, he endured that cross. He despised the shame. He thought little of it because it was such a, such a beautiful end goal. And he had to keep himself stealth the whole time. So those 12 come back. They manifest all kind of negative things in their hearts and all these different things. He doesn't disqualify them at all. He gave them power. He sent them out. They came back. They walked with him for more time. And they, by seeing him, they saw that they were of another heart. That's what our relationship is. Well, I've been convicted, man. It's like, no, you've been inspired. When you're inspired by the goodness of who he is, it causes you to, a.k.a. repent, which just means to turn, to turn from the one you once were and become like him because you actually were created in his image. So it's actually natural to be like him. Yeah. It's really wonderful news. It's called good news, gospel, I don't know. Uh, you know, so that's, that's, the, that's the plan. And after that, he sent 70 more with the same thing. All right, two by two. This is the way it's going to be. Luke 10, I mean, go out two by two just like I sent the 12. And I've given you authority. So go, go and if it doesn't agree with that which is of heaven, wreck. Go after it. Release heaven on them. And I can imagine the 70 being like, looking at themselves like, Me? I'm not James, John, and Peter. Like, I'm not, I'm not even Andrew or Philip. You know, I'm just like, I love these teachings, but it's like, but he's telling me to do it. So, you know, can you imagine us being there? 70 of us right here. Hey, this is what we're going to do. Bang. You know what I'm saying? We'd be looking at each other like, do you feel any different today than you did yesterday? Like, not really. Do you feel power surging through your hands? There's always going to be a couple charismatic people. Oh, I felt it, brother. Oh, yeah, did you feel that? Like, yeah, I felt that. And you kind of just pretend like, yeah, me too. But you're like, I didn't feel nothing, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
Uh, but it's like, yeah, you're laughing because it's real. You've been there. Uh, you know? And now you feel bad. I shouldn't have said I felt. Like, actually, I don't. You know what? I don't. You know? And neither do you. No. Um, but anyhow, uh, but anyhow, but it's just like, man, do you feel different? Like, not, not really. So what are we going to do? Let's go down to Rusk. I, I don't know. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like, I guess just do it as Ed. And that's why they come back like, dude, you know? Can you imagine him having that conversation with those disciples? Like, listen, don't carry money. Whatever house you enter, say peace to this house. If a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on the house. If not, it'll return to you. I'd be like, wait a minute now. So, <laughs> you're telling, like, wait a second. Like, he's like, you're telling me to go somewhere. Could it be that our, that, this is going to sound new age now, but it's the Bible, that we have an energy that we emit when it's the fruit of the Spirit? It's transferable to a place. Can you imagine that being us? There's about 70 of us. Okay, so I'm going down to, I'm going down to, you know, wherever. Troop, you know, White House, you know, wherever. That's, that's the one I was at, you know what I'm saying? Which is not about places. It's anywhere we live, you know what I mean? But he's like, hey, and just so you know, let your peace emanate on that place. And I'm like, you going to tell me how to let my peace emanate into a place? Or it's kind of like, no. It's like he's talking to them that, as if they're capable of doing some things that they've probably never thought that they were capable of doing. But this is very true. We only think this in negative ways, normally. Example, like, um, it's like, you know people that when they show up to a room, they change the energy of the place for the negative. You ever been around that? It's called walking on eggshells. Yeah, have you ever had a friend? I've had friends in my life, literally that I grew up with, that it was like, you're so used to being around them, but then when other people come around into that friend group, then it's awkward. Because then a, a third person or a fourth person comes in and they're just talking normal and you're like, eh, don't talk that way around him. That's, he doesn't like that. Like that's the, eh. you, anybody know that? No, of course not. Nobody's like that. But uh, yeah, I would, I would start feeling that way. A buddy of mine, and he'd be like, eh, don't talk like that. He doesn't like that. You know, eh, you know. And it's like, wait a second. They're not saying anything wrong or weird. And here I am being nervous because I know that he doesn't like certain things. It's like, man. Then you realize... I've been groomed to be around this guy. I have to become a certain way to be to, so make sure this guy's comfortable so that I can we, we can hang out and be buddies and play video games or whatever. And it's like he's the one with the energy problem. Everybody has to, you know what I mean? It's just a weird thing. Anyway, so that's a, maybe a reverse example, but he's literally saying, go and let your peace rest on places. Yeah. So people that are Christians and that are believers and that are created in the image of God have been created just like him. The places that he went, people were comfortable around him that he got judged for being around the people that he was around. That was a mouthful right there, but you know what I'm saying. He hung around people, air quotes, sinners they called them, and those people were comfortable to be around him. They didn't feel judged. They didn't feel condemned. Why? It sounds like he had a peace that was on him that allowed people to be themselves. And even though it was judged from the outside as being wrong, it was just like, no, the, the sick don't need, the sick need the doctors, not the well. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, we influence them. They're not influencing us. It's not that company corrupts me. It's like I transform the company that I'm around because of who I am. That's Jesus's, you know, like that's his essence. So anyways, okay, so that was maybe a little too long of that. But, you know, Luke 10, he's like, go out and hey, and let your peace emanate off you into that places where you're at. Yeah. 
It's just like, whoa, so we can do that? If he said it, we can do it. So they did it. Then they went out and took some shots, some kingdom shots, and it worked. And they come back after, I don't know, a month, two months, three months. I don't know how long they were doing these things. It was longer than just a, a day trip, you know. They didn't hop in the car and drive, you know. But they come back, and they are fired up. And here Jesus is, and a bunch of them coming back at the same time. Lord, <laughs> even the demons. You know, I mean, we're, we're going to heal the sick, but it was a bunch of demonic stuff. It's like, yeah, a lot of times that's actually just demonic manifestation. How about that, you know? Uh, so they're coming back like the seven to return with joy. They came alive because they were actually walking according to his word, living their true identity, which is the light bringers of the earth, created in the image of the light himself, the father of lights, you know. To which Jesus says, hey, I saw lightning fall from heaven. And now we're back at the very beginning scene that we looked at when we watched this movie. Jesus lit up, fired up, twirling around like, you know what I mean? Just, just absolutely on fire, you know. And he's like, I saw you displace something in the spirit. And all the commentaries will agree. It's, it's not talking about before time and space. He's literally saying, I saw Satan and the accuser displaced spiritually because what you guys have gone out and done has actually rocked the, the region spiritually. That's how it works. It's not a prayer and fast, a 24-hour worship. Let's, let's cast out the principality, call it by name. You've got to know by name before we can cast it out. All these really dumb charismatic things that it's become, it's people living according to the word of God and releasing heaven in their goings and comings. And it shook the region. And Jesus is like, hey, well, this is what I saw. Y'all saw demons. I saw the, I saw the king. I saw Koopa. I saw the king, kingpin. I saw Satan, the accuser, fall. He was displaced. Bowser displaced the end of the game guy you know what i'm saying you've rattled something and then he starts starts shouting in his joy i thank you father it seemed good to you to do this with babies with the young with the ones i haven't even trained them like the 12 like this is absolutely amazing amazing all things have been delivered for me i have the green light i officially am going to the cross for the joy set before me, I'm going, to rec I'm going to recover the whole thing now. And the enemy's playing right into my hands. Because just like Herod thought in the beginning of Luke 9, that, oh my gosh, Jesus, or maybe it's John the Baptist, maybe it's, oh snap, this whole thing. Now that 70 more people have gone out of that, this whole thing's out of control. What are you going to assign to shut it down? You can't. What is the principalities and powers going to assign to shut it down? They can't. They couldn't do it. They couldn't even find him. They didn't know where he was. You know what I mean? Then he goes and he heals Lazarus. He's hiding out and he goes and he heals Lazarus real quick. Then he cries because it's like, dang, this is getting real. Because all the people at the funeral, Luke, John 11, come out and see him like, hey, there he is. He got so famous. That was the last straw. Like, I, we got to hide out to make it. He heals Lazarus. A bunch of Gentiles try to come find him. They come to the disciples like, yo, we got to meet him. Jesus is like, not, not now. Let's go get an upper room. You're going to find, a, you know, he, 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 you know he, he, he starts planning past, so he starts planning it out. Like, I can't meet them right now. And it's not, well, it's because they're dirty Gentiles. It's like, no, it's because he was hidden. And now he sees the finish line. He's like, I've, I've released the light in so many different ways 
that they don't see it coming. I, like a boxer, I've jumped in Floyd Mayweather, the best you know, defensive. I've dodged everything, but I jump in and pop, 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 release a fury of hits, and then I jump back, and they don't know where I'm at. They don't know what I'm doing. I'm all over the place. I, I, I'm all over the region, and it's shaking the whole thing, and they're angry. And I was transfigured in Luke 9 in that same time frame. And I've called out the principalities and powers that on this rock, this gates of hell that have been released in the earth, I'm going to build my church. He came talking trash to him, was transformed in front of his disciples. He does all these things because he's going to the cross. And, he, and he's, there was a trap set for him. And he came and he sprung the trap. And then they thought they caught him. And he, and he rescued all of us instead. And he knew what he was doing. And he was happy about it. You know what I mean? And, and he's the one, you know, he comes back with fire in his eyes talking to John in Revelation 3, like, I am the one with the keys, the key of David. I open what nobody can open or shut. He's like, I have the keys, these, these eternal keys that no one can reverse what I've done. Nobody can reverse it. You know what I mean? That's how he comes talking. He comes out and he's like, I took the keys of death and hell. It's like, what? What kind of a cosmic superhero uh, man, person, being are you? But we read the credits as they were rolling down today. That was him. That was Papa coming through, rescuing all of us. That was the will of God. If you'd seen the Son, you've seen the Father as well. The Son and the Father are not this bipolar deity. God, please forgive them. Please don't, don't put your wrath upon them, Father. It was the Father's heart and love within the Son reconciling people to Himself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? For the joy that was set before Him. It's like He was talking to the Pharisees, like, you don't understand what, what God is like. And that He talks about the joyful Father who, who comes and tackles His prodigal, dirty, filthy Son. Yes. You know what I'm saying? He's way happier. Yes. Luke 15, right? They're like, you know, you guys... Are, worried about Jesus being around sinners. It's like, man, if, 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 if the good shepherd, if one sheep runs off, he goes and finds that thing. And where does he put it? On his shoulder, he said. He goes and finds that sheep and puts it on his shoulder and brings it back home. And he's, in, and he's infuriated with joy over it. Yeah. And so he went and found that lost sheep. That's Luke 15. But he's also the king of Isaiah 22, 22. The, it's, the key of David will be upon his shoulder. That was prophesied of him. That sheep was the key of David. It was the key to his heart. It was the cross that he rolled in on in a few days from now, what everybody's talking about. You see a lot of our brothers and sisters like to put the ashes on that, you know, all that. You know, it's like, it's like he put that... that splintery piece of wood that torturing killing device on his shoulder and that was the key of David it unlocked everything yeah. it unlocked absolutely everything and his disciples were like dang I thought he was going to be a king he's going to restore Israel it's like he is man look he's restoring the entire thing and you guys think it's a failure but it's the most beautiful thing of all time and he's happy about it he's happy about what he's doing even though he has to go through absolute hell in order to get get to the finish line, the joy of what he's unlocking is driving him. Can you imagine your life being driven by joy? 
getting up and be like, I, I absolutely love what I get to do. You know, I love what I'm doing today. And I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, you pick a job that you're going to like, kids, and <laughs> something that you like to do and you love, you know. And I think there's some good merit to that. But at the same time, it's, it's more like the joy of the Lord is our strength. Imagine understanding the joy of the King to restore all things and being united to Him in joy to where we literally wake up happy all the time. Golly, doesn't that sound nice? Just being happy. It's like, sounds like the one in whose image, in whom's image we were created reflected that. You know what I mean? And I'm starting to wonder if it is, psychology is good, understanding is great, it unlocks things. But I'm starting to wonder as well, not starting, but I believe, like it says in 2 Corinthians 3, it's like when we see him as he actually truly is, maybe that's the missing ingredient that unlocks us. The happiness that he has about us. The happiness that he has, you know, I'm stressed out reading through the Bible when I get towards the last couple chapters of, of the Gospels because I'm like, oh, here it goes. They're going to be pulling his beard out and stuff. I don't like that at all. You know what I'm saying? I would be like Peter swinging the sword right there with him. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you'd be super carnal because you wouldn't know what he was actually doing. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, it's like we're supposed to see his nature and be conformed to his image. You know what I mean? And associate his joy, associate with his reality. But here he is rejoicing, Luke 10. Nobody knows who I really am. Nobody knows who the Father really is. Nobody knows who the Son really is. We see it, man. He's rejoicing. The last scene of the movie. Why was he so happy? Because he knew, I've spread myself so much that they're going to play right into my hands and they're going to take me out. You know what I mean? Right into my hands and they're going to take me out. I think that's my, I think that's my, I think that's a good um, ending. You know? He literally manifested who he was. That's what he wanted us to see. But he came to do his job. He came to finish the race and unlock everybody. You know, he's, you know, sweating blood. You know what I'm saying? On the Mount of Gethsemane. You know, he's like, he's up there in the Olive Garden sweating blood out because his physical human body was taking, starting to take on all the, all the darkness of humanity. You know what I'm saying? He was by himself. That's what it says, but it does seem like somebody was within earshot to actually hear what he was, had going on. You know what I mean? One of the guys, if you just think about it like that. But it's like, I, I feel like he, was, he rode his body into such a place of darkness that he was going to die in Gethsemane before he even got to the cross. I don't think, he, I don't think his, maybe his body was going to make it. You know what I mean? You ever redline your car too long? No? But uh, it's not good to do. They don't stick shift. But, uh, you know, take this cup for me. There's got, if there's another, you know, like, I, I believe he was coming to that place. He was manifesting humanity in front of whoever's riding. But he's also, he's, he's redlining. And he's close. And he prays, and angels actually come and strengthen him in the garden. You know, they, get, they come and give him a little pit stop. and like, all right. This will let you survive all the way through the cross. You know what I'm saying? Wow. To, where you've, to where you're able to, the capacity to take every single bit of everything on. You know what I mean? 
And he sits there and he manifests the heart of God. Forgive them, they don't know. They have no clue what they're doing. But I've, but I've kept them in the dark. That has to be seen. Kept the rulers of this world in the dark. His own disciples didn't know who he really was. They thought it was, a, thought it was, thought it was failure. But it's like, but he, 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 he kept it secret. Matthew 13, 44. It's like a man who found a treasure that was in a field, but he kept it hidden. And he gave everything that he had in order to purchase the field. That's what he was doing. He wasn't out there talking the way we talk about everything he was going to do in his vision. You got to cash your vision out, brother. You know, maybe that's good. But, you know, he wasn't doing that. And he was actually, instead, what he was doing was like he was keeping that field secret and paying. He was giving everything he had to buy the whole entire thing. And he was happy to do it. It says for joy, he went and sold everything he had. I just realized that in Matthew 13, 44. For, for joy, he actually went, this is worth everything I got. That's how he sees you. That's how he sees me. That's how he saw the cross on his shoulder. As long as he was able to pull that thing around, he knew it was the lamb. He knew it was the one out of 99. Even if it was the one out of the 99, he's like, I've got you. And I'm happy that I've got you. You know what I'm saying? And you, and you, you see that. You feel that heart there. You feel that heart of Jesus dragging that death, death stick around. Um, but in reality, he's thinking about us in it. I'm thinking about, oh my gosh, I can't watch this. This is terrible. This is making me so upset. And he's thinking like, oh, they're, they're playing right into my plan. And you're just like, your plan? What the heck is wrong with you? What are you doing? You're, you're losing. He's like, I've got you all right where I want you. I got all my kids on my shoulder. This is the key of David. It's going to go into the skull, Golgotha, and it's going to unlock the mind of man. They're going to see me again, and they're going to become who they already are, who I created them before the foundations of the earth. That was the plan. Happy Good Friday, Happy Easter, Esther's a pagan goddess, you know, whatever. But that was the plan. That's what the whole thing was always about. And that's the history of the joyful king. And that's the, the, the level he was willing to go to for all of us. And he did it. And then he showed back up. You know, this is what happened, boys. Boys and girls, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, bleeding blood. All right. Well, I think, I think that does it. That's a pretty interesting picture of, 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 of the whole thing. But I think it's, uh, I, I believe it to be fully and totally accurate. And it'll set us up. It sets us up well for where we're going in the next week. And so, anyway, so Lord, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are happy. I thank you that our God is happy and full of joy and that we are called to be the, the messengers of the joyful king and the ambassadors of the joyful kingdom that manifest the joy of God in the world. And Lord, I even ask that our, our own minds and brains would be rewired into the, into the joyous life of like thanksgiving of all the wonderful things you've done for us and are still doing and that you have for the world. And Lord, even as, as uh, your motivation was so joyous, was so happy, Lord, I ask that we would actually learn to drink from that river, the river of your life, the fruit of your spirit of love and of joy. And that our peace and our joy would actually would be tangible, just even as you told the disciples in, in before the cross that you told them in Luke 10, that we would be those who manifest the life and nature of God. That, that even as the Apostle Paul asked for prayer, we asked for that same prayer for all of us. That you would open doors for us to articulate this beautiful mystery 
this beautiful, joyous mystery of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the hope of glory of Christ within us. And that we would step into the level of authority that you've called us to, to trample on snakes and scorpions, to, to walk in authority over all that which is dark. And even more than that or with that, to make this, minis- this mystery be manifest through our life. Thank you.